Hello, Sanctuary Church family. My name is Micah Wisdom, and I pastor United Church in Wagner, Oklahoma. And it is such an honor for me to be able to speak to you today. First off, let me say my wife, Pebble, and I think the world of your pastors. We think Melvin and Lisa Reddy are some of the most sincere Christians that we've ever met. And on a personal level, we're just thankful for their friendship. Again, like I said, it's an honor to be here with you, even though I'm digital and not physical. It is still a big pleasure for me to be able to speak to you today. I want to talk to us about some assembly required. It's happened probably every Christmas since I've been a dad. My kid will ask for a toy and they'll hope for a toy and they'll wish for a toy. And I'll go out and find that exact toy and I'll wrap it and put it under the tree and Christmas morning, they're so excited, they rip off the wrapping paper, and it's exactly what they wanted. That toy is so beautifully displayed on that box. They're smiling, we're smiling, everybody's happy, and then it happens. They bring me the box and say, Dad, open it up, I want to play with it. And right there on the box, in big, bold letters, some assembly required. So I go get my arsenal of tools and dig through the box and find the instructions that look like they were written by a six-year-old on the other side of the world and try to decipher how to put this together. And as I open the box, there's just hundreds of individual pieces, which it's, it's, it's worthless as a toy. But as I begin to put this piece with this piece and connect this piece with this other piece, and, and when I'm finished, it's one complete toy that my kid can play with. And my point is this, if God packaged Christians, if we were delivered in a box, it would say right there on the side, some assembly required. We may be separate individuals, we may be unique pieces, but God's desire is that we come together and connect together and be one church. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that you have all these uh, pieces that are separated and scattered and individual, but when you begin to piece them together and they begin to connect one with another, all of a sudden the picture becomes clear and complete. When we are joined together, when we are connected together, when we are assembled together, that is when we are the church. Reverend Jerry Little started our church, started the United Church in Wagner. It was in the late 1960s, and he started in his home. Then he moved to an old gas station, and he said it was so bad they didn't clean it with brooms, but they had to clean it with shovels. And then when it rained during church, they would have to play musical chairs because the leaks were so bad in the sanctuary. And the thought hit me, there had to be days where Jerry Little thought, is this worth it? What am I doing? Trying to have church in an old gas station. But you know what? God put something deep inside of Jerry Little's heart that Wagner needs a place where people can gather together and assemble together. Wagner needs a place where people can, uh, like-minded believers can come together and, and exhort one another and challenge one another and encourage one another. And I am so thankful some 50 years later that God put that in his heart. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
The New Living Translation of that same verse says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back is drawing near. The Amplified Version of that same verse says this, Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers as it is the habit of some people, but admonishing, which means warning, urging, or encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. God created us to live in community. Social psychologists will even say that, that, that humans have this idea of, of needing to belong. They call it place identity. And what they have found is that we as humans have a desire to feel like we belong to something, that we need to connect to a social or cultural community. We have a, a longing to belong. And that's why you see people that get involved in cults or gangs or get stuck in bad friendships or toxic relationships, all because people want to connect to something. It's a God-given desire that we desire to connect. Every year I receive an invitation to attend the annual Charles P. Seeger Depression Seminar. It's very interesting. They always have great speakers. And uh, several years ago, they brought in a man by the name of Dr. David Schaefer. And he is a professor at Columbia University in New York City. He's the former president of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. He's all kinds of awards, written all kinds of books. Uh, all kinds of publications. And in fact, when they introduced him, they said he was one of the leading researchers on depression. And so he gave his lecture and it was uh, very informative, uh, very um, powerful in, in some regards. And then at the reception afterwards, I got the opportunity to meet him and talk to him a little bit. And so I asked him a question. I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I just asked him this question. I said, what is your opinion on religion when it comes to mental health? Is it, you know, more positive or is it negative? And this is what he said. He said, well, what we know through studies and through data from all the research of all the religions and all the denominations, he said this, those that hold the fundamental belief and have a literal interpretation of the Bible and those that have regular church attendance benefit more than any others. And it just kind of shocked me because it, it, it kind of reaffirmed what I already knew, that we are made with some assembly required. Not only that, but it's amazing how much the influence that people that we connect with have in our lives. And the Lord knows this, and so that's why he encourages us to participate in one of the most Important aspects of Christian life, connecting with others, being unified with others, having some sort of uh, faith community that you can get plugged into. He, he desires us to go into the world. In fact, he tells us that's the Great Commission. Go to the highways and the byways. Preach this great and wonderful gospel to anybody that will listen. But we are also supposed to have regular connection to like-minded believers. Why? As the scripture says, to warn, to urge, to admonish, to encourage one another as we see the day, the day of his return approaching. It's kind of like our kids. You know, we send our kids out into the world and 
they see things and they hear things that we would rather them not hear and, you know, Really, the only alternative is just to kind of hide them away somewhere or lock them away somewhere so they're not around those things. But that's obviously not feasible. And so what we try to do is create a positive and a good, healthy and godly environment in our home. So it kind of uh, corrects their path a little bit. It kind of gets them headed back in the right direction. If they hear something or if they experience something that we can put them back on the path that we feel that they should be on. And here we are, God desires us to present this gospel to the world, that we're not supposed to be locked down and hid away somewhere. And there are things that we see and hear and things that we experience that we wish that we would. But when we can connect with people that are positive and promote good and godly and righteous virtues, it corrects our past. When I'm around people that are godly, it helps strengthen me. When I'm around people that are holy and, and people that are righteous and people that are striving to live for God, it helps kind of direct me and correct my paths. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how righteous you are. You are influenced by your environment. We need each other. We need to connect and have, be unified one with another. You know, if you think about the huge redwood trees in California, they're amazing. They're the largest living thing on earth. The tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and over 2,500 years old. And you would look at those trees and you would think they have to have a tremendous, enormous root system. But the reality is the red trees have a very shallow root system. They don't go down very far, but they go out. And they are intertwined one with another. And so when the storms come and the winds blow, the redwoods are still standing. This interlocking root system will help support each other and sustain each other. They literally need each other to survive. God knew that we're like those redwoods. That's why he gives us a community of faith. That why, that's why he gives us one another. That we can lock arms one with another. That you can pray for me and I can pray for you. That we can bind together in the spirit of unity. I love the book of Acts. I love the dynamic miracles. I love the powerful sermons. I love reading of the outpouring of God's spirit. I love reading the birth of the New Testament church. I love Acts chapter 2. I love reading about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit falling in the upper room and all the crowd gathering, asking Simon Peter, what is going on here? And he tells them about Jesus Christ and they cry, what must we do? And he speaks to them in Acts 2 and 38. He says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he says, this wonderful promise is for you and your children and all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call a lot of times we stop there. It's a great verse, great story. But if you keep going, if you look at verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now listen, it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the first century. Times were tough and persecution was rampant. The, the early believers were bound together in fellowship and in community. They, they literally needed each other for survival. 
And in 2020, there may be times that we're struggling. There may be times that we face disappointment and temptation and sin and failure and doubt and unanswered questions and unanswered prayers. And God is saying, hey, you're not designed to run this race and fight this battle alone, but he has given us each other. The Bible says they came together for doctrine, words of teaching of God's command. They came together a fellowship of breaking the bread that they gathered just for common meals. In the New Testament and even in the 2020 church, there are no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. God used this community. In verse 43, this is Acts 2 and 43. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And then verse 44 says this. And all that believed were together and they had all things common. They were together. The New Living Translation of that exact same verse, Acts 2 and 44 says this. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything that they had. As we face trials and troubles and tragedies of life, God intends that we be supported and strengthened and encouraged and empowered by the community of, of believers and like-minded saints. Acts 2 and 45, it continues, And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. You might just have something that I need. And not necessarily just money, but you may have an encouraging word. You may have a, a, a prayer. You may have a pat on the back. You may have some strength where I am weak. And so we need each other. Acts 2.46, it continues. They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then it says this, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Not only does the book of Acts tell us about powerful conversions in the New Testament church, but it also says this is the way believers should act after those powerful conversions. That you meet together, you connect together, have singleness of purpose, singleness of heart, singleness of mind. Coming together for doctrine and fellowship, helping each other. And then it says the Lord adds to the church. I believe what happens as the Lord sees this community of believers that is healthy and, and positive, and he says, I'm going to keep adding people to that. I don't think the Lord's probably too excited to bring new people into a divided, dysfunctional group of believers. But when he sees someone that has unity, when he sees a group that is unified in the spirit and they're all working toward a common purpose and a common goal. I believe that the book of Acts can still happen in 2020. The Lord can still add people to the church daily. Hebrews 3 and 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another every single day. Help somebody so that their heart does not become hardened by sin. I wonder how many people have walked away from God. How many people have lost out with God? And maybe we just shake our head and say, well, they didn't have the commitment. And we question their faithfulness to God. But maybe there was a time 
where they were hurting and they needed to be encouraged. They needed to be uplifted. Here the Bible is saying that we need to encourage and exhort one another so that they don't fall to the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, this is not a sink or swim religion. We don't just toss people out of the boat and see if they're tough enough to make it. We are in the business of striving to help one another make it to heaven. And sometimes when you are weak, maybe I'm strong. And there are times that maybe I'm weak and you're strong and we can help one another. Buried in the Old Testament is the story of Joash. Joash's grandparents were king and queen and they were very ungodly. They set up all these temples to the false god Baal. And, and so the king dies and the, uh, the queen's son becomes king. And then he dies. And so the queen decides she wants to be in charge. And so she kills all of her son's children. She's going to kill all of her grandkids so that she will be the sole heir to the throne. But Joash's aunt uh, figures out what's going on. So she hides Joash to spare his life. And the, the, the uncle and the aunt keep him hidden away for years. And so um, finally, when he is seven years old, Jehoiada, the high priest, calls all the people together. And they, they bring out Joash. And they introduce him as the king. And the people are so excited. The Bible says they begin to clap and they begin to shout, long live the king. Well, the queen hears what's going on. And so she shows up and she begins to shout treason, treason. But the Bible says she was taken to the edge of the city and killed. Now, Joash was young, but he was a good king. The scripture tells us that he tore down all those temples of Baal. That he demolished the altars used to worship those false gods. That he smashed the idols to pieces. That he repairs the temple of the Lord. 2 Kings 12 and 2 says this, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Joash had somebody speaking into his life, encouraging him, exhorting him, patting him on the back, saying, hey, you can do this. And I wish that was the end of the story. I wish that, that you know, it was uh, the end and the credits would roll, but unfortunately it's not. Jehoiada was Joash's friend, his encourager, his support, but he died. Second Chronicles 24 and 17 says, But after Jehoiada's death, the leaders of Judah came and bowed before King Joash and persuaded the king to listen to their advice. Verse 18, They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped the Asherah poles and idols instead. Then God's anger burned against Judah and Jerusalem because of their sin. These men waited until Jehoiada died, until Joash's encourager died, and they came in like vultures and convinced Joash to listen to them, to worship idols, to take everything out of the temple of God and, and, and take it into these temples of false gods to murder the prophets of God, dis, disgraced his throne. And what disturbs me about the story of Joash is he started out a good guy. He started out such a good king, but he lost his encourager. He lost his exhorter. He, he lost his comforter. And when he was looking for somebody to fill that void, he replaced it with ungodly voices. 
And it's such a sad song, sad story because his, his sons and his children and, and sins and idol worship followed him for generations to come. The Bible says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one can lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not anyone or another to help him up. We need the Lord, but we also need each other. I want to close with one more scripture. Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. When you come to God and you're filled with his spirit and you're baptized in your, his name, you become a part of the church. The Bible says it this way. You are now a citizen with the saints of God. You are now a member of the household of God. You are a member of the family of God. You are connected. You are unified with fellow believers. God never intended for you to travel on this journey by yourself. He has surrounded you with people in your life to help you. The Bible is full of commands like this. Pray one for another. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Rejoice with one another. Weep with one another. And it doesn't matter if you're just starting out living for God or if you've been at it for a while. There is no one spiritual enough to distance themselves from the body of believers. It says right there on the box that you were delivered in. Some assembly required. You are to be unified and connected with a body of believers. With a singleness of purpose, singleness of heart, singleness of mind. I'm going to pray right now for the Sanctuary Church. Would you join me in prayer? God, I'm praying right now for this church. I believe, oh God, more than anything, you desire them to be unified, singleness of purpose, singleness of heart. Be unified, not just with common ideas or common worldviews, but God, we are unified by your spirit, your spirit that is leading and guiding us. And Lord, when we are unified, as the Bible says, it's like the anointing oil. It is good. It is pleasant. God, that unity will bring about a revival that Lord added to the church daily in the book of Acts. Lord, I'm praying right now, let a spirit of unity, a spirit of connection, a spirit of, of like-minded believers binding together begin to sweep through the sanctuary church. In Jesus' name. Sanctuary Church, we love you. We're praying for you. You guys pray for us. We're both uh, experiencing uh, new buildings. And we are just excited about what God is doing in the Sanctuary Church. You guys just keep on doing the work of God. We love you. We're praying for you in Jesus' name.